episode of the Legal Marketing Studio, the biweekly podcast examining best-in-class examples of branding, strategy, content, and technology in legal marketing. We are devoted to exploring successful initiatives, innovative campaigns, promising technologies, or effective, proven strategies for developing new business at law firms from the largest international firm to the solo attorney. The podcast is a production of Picture More Business a corporate photography studio with a core focus on the legal industry, providing the full gamut of photography services for law firms. I'm Michael Meyer, the host of The Legal Marketing Studio. In this episode, I'm delighted to be speaking with David Labarsky. Ever since the subway and a slice of pizza cost 50 cents, David Labarsky has been working in New York City as an independent assignment photographer, creating inspired images of people and places for the editorial, corporate, and fine art markets. His work has been published worldwide in consumer and trade magazines, corporate publications, websites, and annual reports. In addition, his work has been exhibited by MTA Arts for Transit, the Louis K. Maisel Gallery, Nikon House Gallery, the Silvermine Guild, and Fairfield Arts Council Gallery, among others, and is included in the permanent collection of the Museum of the City of New York. David, welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio. My pleasure. Uh, So I think it might be important to start this. not with personal work, as I'd suggested before, but actually with the second thing we were going to talk about, which is bringing more photography into legal uh, and looking for ways that legal can make use of the potential of photography. Um, And I think that right there speaks to why I would bring on a competitor, right, to the podcast. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, Because there's a lot of room for more photography to be used in legal. Um, and to be used more effectively, I think. There's there's a number of firms that use it very successfully, and many that could use it more successfully. So I guess the first thing is, where do you see photography in legal in terms of how it's implemented uh, as content within design, within marketing initiatives, compared to, say, some of the corporate or editorial clients that you work with? Well, um, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating question you have. Of course, I've been working with uh, law firms and financial firms for over 25 years, and the um, the landscape with photography has changed dramatically. Uh, not even mentioning the transition from film to digital, but I think the uh, the use of uh, original photography content uh, depends on what type of firm it is. The larger firms have a tendency to source out to design firms. And as a photographer trying to grab some of those assignments, uh, it's, it's a difficult uh, manner in the way that I try and market myself uh, and the way that I finally get the assignment. Uh, the conflict is that if you've been working with the law firm uh, before they... Uh, sign on to a design firm to do their or re uh, rework their website. Many of the times, the law firm presents their tried and true photographer to the design firm, and then of course the design firm has a bunch of photographers that they've been working with, and so they will send a courtesy call so that you can at least submit an estimate based on a big project. And these are generally big projects when they bring a, a, a design firm in. Um, on the other hand, I also do work with design firms. And many times, 
they want me for that project, but the law firm already has a photographer that they've been working with. So we have the Catch-22, and I've been on both ends. Um, I've been on the end where I've had a long, wonderful uh, uh, relationship with the law firm, and it ends up I lose the assignment because the design firm just feels more comfortable working. I understand that. And vice versa, uh, where I've been the design firm guy and the new law firm uh, prefers to stay with their tried and true. So I've been on both sides where I've won both sides and where I've lost both. Um, I always reach out to either the design firm or the law firm and ask them what the reasons were behind their decision. Um, was it price? Was it experience? Was it style? And I would say probably 10% of them actually reply. Uh, I try to uh, convey the idea that uh, as being an independent uh, photographer, it's very important to find out the reasons why you did not get this assignment could even be age. Who knows? I mean, the, 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 or, or it could be many times, uh, a partner may have a cousin who dabbles in photography. And there, there have been times when I've had a tried and true firm and then they'll say, well, you know, your, your price is a little high for us. And we have a managing partner who, uh, has a cousin who's a fabulous photographer. I said, fine, just, you know, keep, I hope everything goes well. I try and, there are no bridges to be burned here. Um, and then I would say probably 70% of the time, um, I get a call six months later from the same firm and saying, we want you back. It's, there is a value to your experience. And the fact that uh, half of what we do is connecting with the subjects. The photography part is probably just a third if that. If that. Yeah, no, the technical side's not... You know, once you have that technical side, beyond that, it's how do you interact with people and how do you shape the image. Uh, one thing you mentioned is that when you follow up with firms, uh, whether, a, you know, when you don't get a job, one of the questions you ask is, you know, is it budget or is it style? And one thing I think that's really changing in in the legal market is that the photography is not just seen as sort of a product. It's not just you know, the headshot. It's not simply that one thing that they need. I think that style is becoming much more important. Um, especially, again, you mentioned websites being, you know, sort of one of these core projects. That, that right, reworked. Worked. Yep. And I think on the web, there's so much more room and so much more need for there to be really strong visuals that I think that style becomes so much more important. And choosing a photographer based on their style. That's right. Um, I'll, I'll just leave that as the wind up and I won't even put a question. I'll let you just run with well, it. Well, yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, the easiest way to get uh, uh, an assignment, of course, are for doing executive portraits. Some people call them headshots. I prefer calling them executive portraits. As um, do I. Bottom line is that a headshot sounds cheap and I try and elevate that because I bring a lot more than just a quick headshot. And I'm sure you've gotten a call. We just need a quick headshot. Well, no such thing. No. Now, one of the other problems is that once you establish yourself as the preferred executive portrait photographer for this law firm, they may not realize that when they have a need for doing corporate lifestyle, 
images that you can do that. And I obviously I market that as and but there are many different ways to go about that, as I'm sure you know. Um, one one way is to be a fly on the wall. My core interest in documentary photography, but the problem there is that there are all sorts of things that can get in the way, and that can't even be taken care of in post production. Um, so then the other manner is to actually set up these shots, and this is where I think this sort of leads into your other question about planning these shoots. The more planning the better the results. And many law firms, and even design firms, they just don't really get that. Not all of them. And just feel, well, let's just go in and we'll shoot as it goes. Even when you're setting up a shot, you know, there's uh, internal office politics. Certain people have to be in that shot. They may be awful in front of the camera, but that's just the way it is. Right. And should one be standing? Should one be sitting? Who has to be in the foreground? Is it bad if the partner's in the background? Diversity yeah. is huge. Youth and giving those that feeling of confidence. Mm-hmm. This is a, you know, a law firm that has a reputation. It goes on and on and on. And so it's really important as the image maker to ask those questions. Um, when, when you get that call, when you're in a meeting trying to whittle down this grand idea. The other part is, of course, you're working in their space, which may not be visually beautiful. And that's another place where we come in and we try and make a a very bland site or office look great. Sometimes it's easy to do. Sometimes it's a pain in the tush. Um, so it's just difficult. It's just a very complicated set of elements that have to all come together. You talked there about the big idea and, you know, we're creating images that illustrate and amplify that big idea. How specific do you like to have that big idea be? And how visual, do, you know, how much do you want them to have an idea of what the visual might look like or, or be able to even use you know, visual adjectives in describing what that big idea <laughs> yeah. is. Because sometimes um, it's like, we want to be powerful and we want to be knowledgeable. And you're like, okay, but what do the, you know, they can't even describe what those are going to look like. Do you, how much input do you want from the firm or from the, uh, from the design agency in helping you to craft that, that kind of image? I would love to have that information because uh, as you know, a happy client is what your aim is. But that question is the Holy Grail. I cannot tell you how difficult it is to get an answer. Time after time, you know, they'll just give these superlatives of, you know, basic concepts which apply to almost any corporate, whether it's a law firm or a financial firm. You try and get underneath the skin of, okay, so what is, what makes this firm unique? Right. Um, and to pull that out is so difficult. And to also, even if you get that answer, to visually convey that idea all depends on who's, who you're working with. And most of the time, you're not working with models. You're working with real live people, which I prefer because it's more genuine. However, as I mentioned before, sometimes these people are absolutely awful in front of the camera. And other times you have gems that make your life so easy. So I guess, as I mentioned, uh, it, it is just 
rather difficult to get that answer from either the design firm or from your marketing people to be specific. Then, of course, you always run into logistics of putting it all together. Timing, as you know, uh, attorneys, their billable hours is way more important than doing a photo shoot. So we can set something up, and then at the last minute, they get a conference call, they're called to court, and sometimes we're waiting around for them. Other times, we're substituting someone else who may not be ideal. But again, uh, you got to roll with the with the uh, with the punches, and you hope that your client is privy to this. And so when they see the results, which isn't what, quite what they were looking for, as you know, a lot, a lot of elements go into pulling that off. There are times when all the planets align, and it is absolutely amazing. And there are many other times when it is. You know, being I'm, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so and and I'll, I'll admit sometimes that does get in the way because you're so concentrating on trying to make that just what your client wants, and if you just pull back ten percent, things have a tendency to flow a little better. Something else you mentioned there is you know getting what the client wants, and I think there's also getting what the client needs. How you know one thing that I like to try and sell to my clients, um, or an idea I like to sell to the clients is, is this idea of having an image library that they can, you know, pull from as their needs change over time. Mm. But how specific, hmm. you know, should a firm be or should a design firm be in specifying, we need these eight images, this is where they're going on the page. I'm sure earlier on, earlier in your career, you know, when they were doing annual reports in these big printed publications, you'd have a mock-up or a comp oh, that you absolutely. were shooting Oh, absolutely. We knew exactly, in fact, we knew the, the layout of how these images were going to be used. Do you find that you still get that or with 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 the web with digital even on the design side are you finding that things are getting figured out later in the process and you have less to work with in terms of layouts? The answer is both. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Right. Um recently uh I'm working on a a big website makeover and I had a meeting with the design firm along with the marketing people and they have basically three sizes depending on what page it's going to be. And so many of these are banner proportions. So it's very long and narrow, always horizontal. You're, you know, we, us photographers, we love those verticals because, you know, they're sort of iconic. I haven't shot a vertical and I don't know how long yeah. now. Yeah, it's, it's depressing, but, you know, that you can keep for your personal work. So it is so important when you're on the shoot to know how that image is going to be cropped to fit into those panoramic proportions because you could spend so much time on just sort of like cleaning up the space because there are water bottles or there's somebody's little picture of their cousins, whatever. Whereas once you know what the crop is, it may be cropped out completely. So you don't have to worry about that. Yep. So in that aspect, I really prefer that. On the other hand, I've had another firm where I was working with the, it wasn't a dis it wasn't the design firm. It was actually the web designer. So they don't really have a ton of visual graphic design background. So this wasn't a, a graphic designer. It was the, the... It was the web designer. So people doing the code behind the yeah. website. Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, they, they hire some people with that experience. So we first started shooting set up corporate lifestyle images. And after two days of shooting this... I think uh, we were able to harvest several images, but there was something about them. They looked just 
rather stiff. Now that included lighting, fairly extensive lighting. So we reconvened and I agreed that a lot of the images just seemed a little bit too forced. So we went back and I lost the assistant. I lost the lighting. I just shot documentary images of work happening as it happened. And it was like night and day. Fortunately, it was a good looking office, newly uh, designed. So there wasn't a ton of post-production and these images were much more successful. It doesn't always work out that way. So sometimes you have to set something up, particularly if it's with a managing partner who has to be with a client or any of those other uh, scenarios. I think I'm getting called for a lot more of that second kind of project mm -hmm. where it's a little bit looser, it's a little bit more documentary, it's a little bit more real. And I think people are moving towards wanting the photographs to feel more real. Correct. It doesn't mean that, that those politics have gone away or that you have to be any less directorial necessarily. But is that a trend that you're seeing also? Yes. You know, I, I hate talking about trends. I think, you know, oh, there's no one this thing. This week. That, right. <laughs> but, and there's, right. And there's no one thing that works for everybody. But certainly I am seeing people moving towards a more real kind of look, a more real kind of style, a little bit more editorial compared to, I don't know what the old style would have been. Corporate's not quite right because I feel like corporate was always a little editorial also. Right. But just less stiff, less formal. And the images tend to be larger on the site. This, again, this uh, yes. panoramic. Um, or if they have a full horizontal 35 millimeter proportion, then they're also throwing in graphic design elements that actually are within the image so that your part of your image is actually wallpaper. And then there's maybe a little section of that where the action is going on or the moment is going on. Yes, I absolutely see that as more in demand. Do you see that with the portraits also or mostly on the corporate lifestyle kind of photographs? Absolutely with the portraits. Many law firms are prefer an office background rather than a seamless background. Of course, that creates other potential problems. I have uh, one firm that prefers having uh, cityscapes as the background. And there's so, a timing challenge right there. Oh, yes. How do you keep those looking consistent? Well, that's right. And so if we're shooting on a sunny day, uh, and I've scouted out seven locations, every time you move the camera and the lighting, you know, we lose time. But of course, they want some variety. I prefer cloudy days, because then we have evenly lit buildings. Um, however, you don't want ever to see a white sky in a cloudy day. So if it's a sunny day, you've got this nice ruby blue sky. And if you expose for the sun hitting the, uh, the buildings, then you're going to end up with absolutely pitch black shadows, which are, can be a, a distraction as well. But not necessarily. Not necessarily. Just depends. This is a style thing. It is. But if you want that, then you have to always have that, and you're back to the consistency thing. Correct. It's more difficult to be consistent with that. Right. So I have another firm that... Uh, has come up with the solution. Uh, what we do is we do the portraits using a chromogenic seamless background, either green or blue. And then I've already gone ahead and shot cityscapes from their office, several different views in several different weather, whether it's a cloudy day or a sunny day. And then I also shoot them in different focal lengths and also different sharpness. So one firm may want tic-tac-sharp buildings, 
which I I prefer not because I don't think it uh, it it becomes a bit of a distraction. Feels a little unnatural, I think. I too. prefer soft focus buildings because then you get the feeling of the depth of field. However, as you know, it it can be tricky if you get someone with very curly hair, and silhouetting them out from the chromogenic uh, is challenging. But you have the consistency. So uh, once again, is that catch twenty two? seems to be always facing us. You know, one thing that I've seen, I, I do this for several firms, is shooting both a formal portrait on seamless and then taking the other half of oh, for the sure. to shoot the... And then they have both. And I, I think that's something that's really smart to do because, no, you know, you may be shooting for, for the, you know, the website. You have the bio page and you may have another, like, blog post might need a separate portrait. That's right. Um, but I think also to think about future uses... You know, are there going to be any publicity uses? Are you ever going to do uh, a printed piece of some kind? Are you going to be doing microsites? Do you need... Mo- so I think building in multiple uh, portraits, building in multiple styles even, uh, can be important. And styles are tricky. Correct. I th- that's not quite the word that I mean. I think aesthetically, they all should sit together, right? I mean, but I think having different kinds of images, you know, a formal portrait, the very traditional corporate portrait, you know, the office background, and then something maybe editorial or something at work and documentary. Um, Because if you've got half an hour with that attorney, you might not have another half an hour with that attorney for six months or eight months. Maybe it's best to build that into one shoot, which puts more pressure on us. Much. But I'm happy to license more images. I'm sure you're happy to license more images. Oh, for sure. Which I think brings us to licensing. And this is something that I wanted to bring up because I, I have a lot of questions and pushback often, mm-hmm. uh, especially in legal. Because, you know, the traditional method, uh, which was sort of, I came up in the digital transition. So the traditional method was getting sort of eaten alive while I was learning this uh, in the yes. market. Yes. Uh, but I don't think it's gone away. And I don't think it should go away because you're not buying the image or a firm isn't or a client isn't buying the image itself necessarily. What they're doing is licensing it. Absolutely. And that's what you need to convey. Many, as you know, many, it depends on who you're speaking with, but many times there's a a disconnect where they feel like they need to own the images. And I try to, in a, in a very loving way, raise the bar by conveying the idea that for the use that you need, you don't need to own this. And therefore I can bring my budget, my, my fees down to fit your budget. However, I, I think it's so important not to give away the kitchen sink. So example, 10 years ago, I would license all the portraits for five years with the idea that after five years, most people want to be re-photographed anyhow, because hairstyle, glasses, clothing, they five lost, years older. Yeah, yeah. Five years yeah. older. They lost weight. They gained weight, whatever, but it's more accurate. But what has happened with not only the digital revolution, but also how the pool of photographers is much larger today than it was 10 years ago. And so you have to be competitive. So generally what I will do, I'll try and do the five year, but if there's a little pushback, I'll say, fine, uh, we can do that. However, we'll do a perpetual license for all of these images that you need to use for anything that's related to this firm's business. However, what we're excluding is paid advertising, 
which is rare in law firms, but it's still there. Third-party resell. And the other area which uh, also I've, uh, I've benefited from is many times law partners sit on a board of trustees that are not related to that law firm. And that board has an annual report, has a website, and they want to use that image. So for that, there's a relicensing fee. That's essentially what I've tried to do is um, I have opened up, again, as I mentioned before, I try to uh, keep to the five-year, but generally there is pushback on that. So I'll say, fine. You know, essentially when you're dealing with the executive portraits, I'm, I'm less likely to push the, the limit on that. Well, there's not as much of a, a resale opportunity for you, though, generally anyway. Oh, f- absolutely. Uh, they, they do have a very specific usage. And, you know, even if it's a perpetual license, that junior partner or that associate almost certainly won't be there in five years. Or if they become a partner, they're going to want a new picture. That's right. You know, even if you have that perpetual license, there's still sort of uh, almost a de facto time limitation on them. I agree. Um, and I do, I do a similar thing. I, my license is generally, you know, collateral, anything the firm is putting out, mm-hmm. and I let it be perpetual. Um, but I try and limit the print and electronic aspect. If they're doing a website, it's electronic. Mm-hmm. And if they want it to be exclusive, that's fine. Because again, I can't really sell that. You know, nobody needs a picture of that associate on gray. Right? It's not an well, image that's... Well, that's for sure. However, if you have uh, an environmental portrait of a high-end attorney, there may... I've gotten calls from magazines, magazines. that want to use that. Now, uh, I always am loyal to my client. So I will, I'll tell the magazine, hold on a second, let me reach out to my people at the law firm. I'll get a sense of what the article, obviously, if it's a defaming article, that that would be suicide for me to license that to, you know, that's just common sense. And most of the marketing firms, they love the publicity. And I end up getting a reproduction fee and photo credit, which, of course, as you know, there are many... Many entities will say, oh, and we'll give you photo credit. It's like, excuse me, that's, so that's required. Thank yes. you. <laughs> <laughs> that's not payment. You talked about holding back advertising use, and that's something I do as well. I see advertising as different than collateral, because Correct. it is. A lot of firms push back on that because they see marketing and advertising as the same, which is, this is a, advertising here is a specific licensing use, right? It's anytime you're paying to place that image in an advertisement in another publication that's or right. on a... And that's why I call it uh, paid advertising. At first, I... And you could even break that down to regional, national. Um, I just keep it paid advertising, plain and simple. That's what I do. Um, and the only time that I'll not charge for paid advertising um, is I have a couple of small firms who will put something into like a fundraiser... Uh, oh, sure. Brochures, that, yeah. Um, you know... You have You're to, raising money for a good cause. Absolutely. I'll, I will probably let you just go ahead and do that, right? That's right. But you put it in the New York Times, or you put it in Newsweek. Wall Street Does Journal. Newsweek even exist anymore? Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, you're going to American gonna Lawyer. For, I mean, they're they're you know the trade magazines. Yeah, uh, you're going to have to pay for that, um, and that's a different, more valuable use, counterintuitively, than uh, correct than your website. Yes. All right. So, do you use? Uh, I know there's like new new licensing tools out there, things like Plus. Are you using Plus at all? Or you're, you're... I, I am familiar with Plus. I am using my own system. I find that uh, plain English 
can be more effective. Uh, the forms that I've read are scary. Uh, most of my clients would look at this and they'd never call me again. I think the marketing departments respect that. The fact that uh, these, it's, it's not just like monopoly money to use these images. They're, they're official intellectual property. And they have value. And they have value. And that's why they're licensed. Well, I'm going to shift the conversation. Uh, something that I know you do, something that I do, and something that we both think is very important is, you know, doing our own work, doing our own photographic projects. Ah, yes. And I think there's two things that are really important about doing personal work. The first is the personal side of it, right? Because we want to, you know, it helps us engage with the world. It helps us engage with our medium and really understand what we're doing. And on the work side, it helps us to be more expansive and more innovative in what we're doing for our clients. Agreed. I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what you're doing right now. What are you working on on the personal side? Well, gee, this is, a, this is such a huge area. Um, <laughs> let me sort of just take it back a little bit. Sure. Of course, personal work is the whole reason why we got into photography in the first place. I have three projects, which one is perpetual. The subject matter is photographing people commuting. Uh, and I've been shooting people commuting everywhere where I go for probably 30 years. And there's a large gallery of this, as I recall, on your website. Correct. Yes. So, yes, I've been photographing people commuting in the uh, in-transit project um, for three decades. It enables me to... I don't have to go to a specific place. It's something which I am constantly looking for on my daily travels. And it could even be when I'm on the shoot. And I started a project which was photographing this beautiful uh, Gothic church out my window, my studio window view. And every, uh, every image that I post uh, has that. And uh, you would think, well, it must get a little boring. I mean, you're just talking about, you know, looking out your window. Well, the answer is absolutely not. Between, I've been in this space uh, almost three years now. And uh, I've seen the change of seasons, the change of light, uh, the change of day. Uh, and I also do little details. And then to my surprise, um, in May, the church burnt down. Absolute horrific, devastating event. And now the project has taken on another life because I've been photographing the, the, uh, the cleanup. And we just got word... Uh, last week, that they're going to rebuild. The stone structure is still intact. Um, and so this project continues. And uh, just quickly as an aside, uh, we are recording this in David's studio. So if you hear any of the, the noise in the background, that is actually the church being repaired <laughs> as we record this. Yes. Well, actually, they're, they're, they're in the cleanup stage. Yeah. Repair, that's going to take a while. And then there's, when you have a family, of course, you know, that's a continual personal area. Now, depending, you know, for the most part, snapshots are snapshots. And last thing I want to do is see pictures of, you know, this photographer's kid. However, as you know, there are quite a few photographers, very established fine art photographers out there who've been photographing their families for years. And I think part of what makes that work is the timeline. The fact that you can see these people from children to 
adolescents to teenagers to adults, provided that these images work. I think that also brings us back to the commercial side of it also. And that oh. if somebody can make their family interesting, if they can make good work with something that's so personal, yes. um, if they can turn that into not just snapshots, but into a concerted project, if they can really look deeply and clearly at that, that's exactly right. what you want from your photographer that's doing a commercial project for you. You know, I think it's some of those very same skills that take personal snapshots and make them into personal work, that make them into... I totally agree with that. And, and I think what you're leading to is that your clients, uh, when you let them, when they're aware that you're doing this personal work, uh, they love um, viewing that. And it also brings more value to the commercial work that you're doing. So to me, it's a win-win. I just wish I had more time. Because <laughs> yes. as you know, what we do, uh, we wear about six different hats. And shooting your personal work is not one of them. Or it's actually, it's, it's the seventh hat. And it's the lowest hat on the totem it, pole. Unfortunately, on the tree rack, it, whatever is, it is. It is. Bottom line is that in many years, if there ever is a quote-unquote retirement, that is absolutely a place when the personal work finally comes back to being number one. Yeah, I mean, I try and maintain my personal work on the side as well. And again, same challenges as you, the corporate work, the making a living has to come first. But I find it incredibly satisfying. I find that I learn new things about the medium. I find that I have greater insight on the commercial projects by doing it. And I find it keeps me fresh, so I'm not getting burned out. Well, and that's it right there, keeping fresh. It's crucial. Uh, it's so easy to just sort of let things sort of wind itself out. Um, and because if you have a steady flow of work coming... Um, you, you sort of just sit back on your laurels, which, you know, it's one of the advantages of being in the business for so long is that you've touched so many people. And even though you may not have heard from someone for could be as much as 10 years, uh, you still get these calls, especially if you're doing personal work and they're seeing you pop up either an Instagram feed right. or wherever else. That's, yeah. that's, that's right. I, I guess, you know, you have certain I won't call them bucket lists, but um, goals in terms of your personal work. And you want to be recognized as a serious photographer that makes meaningful images. The fine art photography world is very large, yet it's very small. <laughs> and I think, well, let me just go back. I studied with uh, someone who, a master printer, uh, who prints all of Robert Frank's work. Uh, we've become good friends. He is also an amazing photographer. Uh, he is associated with Jack Kerouac, Allen Ginsberg, and Robert Frank. He's part of that whole crew. However, he is known as the master printer. He has exhibited his work around the world, but he's not known for that. He's known for his master printing. So here you have someone who's been in the business almost 60 years. He has amazing images that are belong in the Museum of Modern Art, and they're not. And so that's a frustrating aspect. So you just have to turn it back to yourself and, and decide that I'm doing this not for the greater good, but because I have this passion. And it would be nice if it's exhibited, uh, if it's in a permanent collection, 
Um, and because I'm an optimist, my feeling is eventually it will. Um, I was also, let me just throw this in, is that uh, I was uh, rather spoiled by uh, within two years after graduating uh, with my BFA, I was admitted into five images of mine were admitted uh, to the permanent collection of the Museum of the City of New York. That was so awesome at the time. It, I mean, it still is today. And every once in a while, um, they will tap uh, one or two of those images uh, for a current show that they're doing. Um, in fact, the last show, uh, they put my images right above Jacob Reese's. So that's a nice association. That was a nice. I like to hang out on the wall with him. So just taking it back to let's get back to commercial. I want to just close with some, you know, what what our clients can do to help us keep it fresh for them. I guess. What are two things that you really, that you feel you need to know um, going into a project? And then second to that, what do you need to know in terms of making the day of shoot happen smoothly? Well, as I said before, uh, the, what I ask my clients more than anything is to plan exactly who the players are, where they want to shoot this particular shot. Um, If there's if they can send me the text of what's going to accompany this, that way we can convey what they're trying to make a, a make a point in. Uh, but many times it's like, look, we can only get this managing partner on this day, and it's uh, it's in three days. So, can you do this, and how much? And I always try and just walk them back. So we have a little bit clearer idea of what's going on. That way I can give them an accurate estimate. My general feeling is that the photographer is called in last. After the design firm has already uh, had many meetings with the firm, they've established what they need. And the photographer, however creative we may be, is in some cases looked as just the service guy coming just in. Just there to execute. Yeah. Execute and make it fast. Would you like to be in the conversation earlier? Always. As I mentioned before, I think the more planning, the more conversation, the better. Well, I agree. I think we should be brought in as early as possible. And I think the more information and the, the more clarity that the client has in terms of uh, the logistics, or the more information they can give us so we can figure out the logistics, the better that shoot's going to go. That's right. My experience has been that the more you plan, the smoother the shoot is going to go. There's no question about that. Well, David, I want to thank you uh, for joining me on this episode of the Legal Marketing Studio podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, The Legal Marketing Studio is a production of Picture More Business, a full-service corporate photography studio focused on the legal industry based in Brooklyn, New York, and working with clients nationally. If your firm is updating its website, hiring new attorneys, or revamping its brand and marketing materials, give us a call. We'd love to explore collaborative opportunities. More information can be found at picturemorebusiness.com. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe. The Legal Marketing Studio can be found on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Extended content, including photographs and links, can be found on our website, legalmarketing.studio. Note that there's no .com. It's just legalmarketing.studio. Would you like to appear on the Legal Marketing Studio or know someone who might? Please send an email to producer at legalmarketing.studio or reach out via the contact page on our website, legalmarketing.studio. 
That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.